Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Good to see you. Are you excited to be in the house of God today? It's going to be a great day. Hope you brought your faith with you. Something going to change within our lives. But before we get to the message of the word, I just want to have you stand up because our pastors are down in Miami and they're ministering down there. And I want us as a church family to be able to pray for them. We love our pastors. We love how God uses them, their vision, their hearts, and how it's always, always, always about Jesus. So would you just extend your hands in a southerly direction or towards Miami? And uh, we'll just, and if you don't get it right, the Holy Spirit will, okay? So Father, we lift up our pastors before you right now, and we ask Heavenly Father that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that out of their heart, Father God, will flow words of life, and that you would help them to be empowered, you would help them to represent Jesus, Lord, you'd give them a great, refreshing time, and you would cause the people of the church that they're ministering to just to have ears to hear and hearts to understand. We thank you for the moment that we are having here right now. We give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before you're seated, I'd like you to look at the person to your left and then to your right as you're being seated and say, I got faith today. How about you? Go ahead and do that. It was Christmas of 1983. I was married to my wife for two years. We had a one-year-old daughter. And uh, we were making our way from Paris Island, South Carolina, to Connecticut for Christmas. We left as soon as I got uh, out of work that day, and we loaded up our Reliant K car. (laughs) Anybody? I should have said our yellow Reliant K K car. And uh, we just headed north, man. And somewhere around Baltimore, Maryland, or actually in Baltimore, I noticed, well, I, I noticed this beforehand, but I really got to noticing that the gas gauge was below E. And so, of course, it's two in the morning, you got a wife and you got a kid in the car. And I don't know what it is about guys, but are there any guys here that like to push it to the limit? Like take that E all the way down as far as you can? When I was going to school in college, I actually would cover up the gas gauge so that I wouldn't even look at it. Not smart. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying it wasn't smart. So we get off the exit down by the docks of Baltimore, and we're at a red light, and we're just looking for a gas station, and here comes a cop pulling up right next to me. So I rolled down my window. I I rolled down my window. (laughs) Some of you remember that, yeah. Um, There's an antique shop downtown that has that. And I asked the cop, I said, I'm about to run out of gas. Can you help me? And the light turned green. He said, nope, and he took off. (laughs) I was this is just not right. And so I get back up on the highway, and within 100 yards of getting up on the highway, sure enough, we ran out of gas, and um, Dawn wasn't happy. (laughs) She, uh, well, you know how women are, women, right? (laughs) Men, we don't know how women are. We just don't. Um, We try to, I promise you, we we really do. 
So we prayed. We actually prayed, God, send us some help. We need some roadside assistance here. Stuck on the highway, 2 o'clock, 2.15 in the morning with a baby girl and my wife. And so a few minutes later, here comes one of those trucks, you know, that they have gas in it and everything, and they took care of us. They put gas in our car. We went on our way, and we were unstuck. That's the message I want to bring to you today, how you and I can become unstuck. Look at the person next to you. This is going to be good for you today, I promise you. I mean, did you ever feel stuck? Did you ever feel like you're not going anywhere, that your life is kind of stationary? Did you ever feel like, man, you're on the shoulder of the road, you're waiting for roadside assistance, everybody else in Christianity is doing really well, but you're just stuck. Can I tell you, you're not alone, amen? Because we all get stuck, and this is what this is about, how we can become unstuck, amen? And how that we can see the freedom that God wants to give us. When we're not progressing, and when we're not going deeper in other areas of our lives, then we're stuck. That's it. As simple as that, we're stuck. Not unlike the lady that we're going to be featuring in today's story found in Genesis chapter 16. Her name is Hagar. Hagar was one of the most trusted servants that Abraham and Sarah had. Ten years prior to this incident that we're going to read about, God promised Abraham that he was not only going to be the father of many nations, but that his seed will number the sands of the seashore and the stars of the sky. And that was a great promise that Abraham and Sarah embraced. The problem was, it took 10 years just to get to this point. So Sarah got a little frustrated. Anybody ever get frustrated waiting for God? I know you guys don't, but I'm going to confess that I do. And so, you know, when we wait for God, it's hard. Now, can you imagine waiting 10 years? That's incredible. Sarah was a little frustrated, and so she said to Abraham, hey, we got to make something happen here because we're not getting any younger. And I know she said that exactly because it's written in the book of 2 Jerusalem, chapter 5. Look it up. (laughs) And so... Uh, she said, oh, look, I want you to take Hagar and go into her, and she can have your kid for you. Surrogate mom, and that's what Hagar is for. Now, Hagar grew up in this household. Hagar was a part of this household. She was with them when they left Ur of the Chaldees. She saw the conversion of Abraham from being a pagan worshiper to being the one and true God worshiper. She saw that. Abraham's house was a house of worship. He ordered his family and his conduct and all the people around him. He taught them about God. And so she got so frustrated and so scared and so angry and all those emotions that were swirling around that she just fled for her life. And we pick up the story in just a minute here where we see that Hagar is stuck on the side of the road at a well, not knowing what to do. In Genesis chapter 16, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you uh, to turn there. We see Hagar stuck on the side of the road, sitting there at the well, not knowing what to do. There was no one in sight. Probably a caravan was not even within earshot, so she was just by herself, heading to a city called Shur. Now, this city was a fortified city. It was a developed city, so there's resources in that city, and so it's just natural. I'm going to go there. Maybe I can find some work or whatever. A pregnant lady rejected and all alone in the middle of the desert, stuck. She hears a voice, Hagar. Hagar looks up, and she's almost blinded by the light that's in front of her, brighter than the sunshine at the noonday. Here is Hagar. She hears her name, and, the, and again, she says, Hagar, servant of Sarah. 
Now, the beautiful thing about this is that while she was stuck right there in the wilderness, right there at the well, the person that was talking to her not only knew her name, but also knew what she does, also knew all about her. And so this person was looking for her. Hagar, servant of God, where have you come from and where are you going? This is the thing that we want to talk about today. Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? God wasn't saying, where were you Five minutes ago. He was saying, where have you come from? Where has life landed you? How did you get here? What's the sum total of all of your life experience? And where do you plan to go? She says, I'm fleeing. I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. But isn't that like God in our own stuckness, in our own wilderness while we're at the well waiting, not knowing what to do? Isn't it like God that he shows up? Isn't it like God that he speaks to us right there in the darkness of our lives? Isn't it awesome that God in his love and his compassion is concerned about where we are coming from and where we are going? God loves you. He wants to know. I'm sure that you're here today and you've got issues going on that I'm not even aware of, but God does. God knows. How do I know? He knew Hagar's name. He knows your name. He knows what Hagar did. He knows what you do. He knows all about you. And he says, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm concerned about your life. When he asks the question, where have you come from? He's quite literally saying, Hagar, what's your story? Hagar, look in your rearview mirror. Tell me what has happened. What has your life experience been all about? What is it about, Hagar? Tell me about your life. And behind me, if I were to say to you, where have I come from? It would be life of my choices. It would be the life of my mistakes, the life of the pain that I've experienced, the injustices, or whatever it might be. But it would be my story. It would be Hagar's story. It would be your story. But when Jesus comes in the midst of it, he doesn't care that much about the past, except that we know how we got here. He says, I'm going to rewrite your future for you, and you're going to have a brand new tomorrow because you're going to walk with me today. Where have you come from? And where are you going? Sometimes I think when we get stuck, we don't know what to do because we're stuck. In the areas of your life that you're not stuck, you're unstuck. You know what to do. You did stuff, but there's an area of your life that you're stuck in. I mean, everybody's stuck. You could look at the person next to you, he's talking about you. Because he, he really is. We're all stuck. If you think that you're not stuck, buddy, you're stuck. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we'll lay hands on you and a baseball bat after the service, and you'll be just fine, I promise you. But we think that sometimes we think that we're not stuck. All this stuff that's on this side is where God comes into play. He redeems my trouble. He redeems my mistake. He redeems my life, and he gives me a future. I love what the Bible says in Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. He says, I will lead her into the wilderness. Check out this word now. I will lead her into the wilderness. I will speak tenderly to her. In the Hebrew, it literally says, I will speak to her heart. And there, somebody say there. 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 There, I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There, 
That's where God met her. That's where God spoke to her. There. That's where God spoke to her tenderly. That's where he led her to go. He's going to give her back everything that she had taken from her, everything that she lost. But he said, I'm going to take you out of the valley of Achor through the door of hope. Now, the word Achor in the Hebrew means, uh, means calamity. It means destruction. It means problem. It means the junk that you and I do not want within our lives. Acor is not a good place to be. And God says, I will take that negative place and I'll make it into something positive. What the enemy meant for evil, I'm going to turn into good because I'm more powerful than anything in the entire universe. And nothing that you have done, nothing that you have done can outlast my grace or my mercy or my power. That's God. It's God that does that. My question to you is this. Are you in the valley of Acor? Are you stuck? Are you stuck in your marriage? Are you stuck in your walk with Jesus? Are you stuck in your finances, your relationships? Are you stuck in your business? Are you stuck in your quiet time? I think when we begin to ask these questions and find out where we've come from and where we're going, we can see that there are places within our lives that are stationary, not moving, not progressing. Like a merry-go-round always moving but never arriving, we have this thing in our past that has caused us to be stuck. And for some, quite frankly, this wilderness this place where you're sitting at the well, we can get used to it. We put our roots down and we put a coat of paint on it, make things look good on the outside while we're just seared with shame on the inside. It's in a place like this, in this wilderness, that God comes and meets us and he talks to us. It's there, it's there that God wants us to be. God's not asking you to be in the wilderness. We're already in the wilderness. Can I get a good amen from that? We're not totally lost. We're following Jesus. That's why we come here. But what I'm saying is there are areas in our lives where Jesus needs to be invited in. There's areas in our lives that are just stuck and we're not going anywhere and we're frustrated and we don't know what to do. Or there's areas in our lives where things have been done to us and we don't want to look at it. And deep down inside, we want to be unstuck. And too often our life experiences actually distort the view of God because we sometimes let the experience of life become the theology of who God actually is. And can I tell you something, and I'm saying this with compassion and love, it's not your experience that dictates who God is. It's not your experience. It's not the pain. It's not all those bad things. It's not Jesus not showing up. It's none of that that says who God actually is. It's this thing right here that says what God is. And our faith is not in our experiences. Our faith is not in a speaker. Our faith is not in a song. Our faith is in the word of God that has settled in heaven forever. And that word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And so let this shape your heart and your mind. Let that shape your theology of who God is and where your life is going. That with him, all things are possible. I think sometimes when we're in the wilderness and we're stuck and we ask the guy, we ask the guy, I'm sorry, we ask God, why? Why? And I don't think it's a bad question, but you know, sometimes we can park there. Sometimes we can just sit on that question, why? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Not unlike the disciples, they're with Jesus in the boat and Jesus is in the back sleeping and the winds and the waves come and they say to master, don't you care? 
They were about to perish. They'd been with him for years. They saw him feed thousands of people. And the first question they ask him is, don't you care? The whys are important, but what's more important is the what. God, I know I trust you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, by faith, we understand. I got to tell you, that's a hard place for some people to be in, to, to say, okay, God, I can't see my future. I can't see my tomorrow. My past is just nipping at my heels. I'm going to trust you by faith. I understand by faith. I understand because we walk by faith and not by sight. Isn't it right? Sometimes we have to place our hands and our lives rather in God's hands. And by faith, we follow God. Similar to the apostle Paul, when he was blinded while he was on the road to Damascus, he meets Jesus and the glorious majesty and the brightness of the shining of almighty God is right there in front of him. He falls to his knees and he's blinded. And you know what he says? Lord, what do you want me to do? Why is good? What is better? If I was capable of getting unstuck, I wouldn't need Jesus. Wouldn't need you. But I get stuck often. For the most part. Where I'm stuck, it's because of me. Um, Sure would like to cast the blame, but we just can't do that. We all have things that were done to us and things that we have no control over. We have the scars of the past, the pain of what has gone on in our lives. We're haunted by the unmentionable memories that we don't want anybody to even know of. We have these closets within our lives that all of the junk that we don't want to deal with, all the pain and the horror, we put in there and we lock the key, lock the door and say no admittance and we toss the key. And every time we walk by that door, every time we come near that door, we shudder because we don't want to see what's behind that. The monster of our past seems to always rear its ugly head to try to prevent us from living the life, the future that God wants for us to have. I know what it's like to be stuck. I I was stuck in the wilderness for over 15 years. As a Christian. Oh, as a pastor. Stuck on the side of the road. I looked good on the outside. But there was a closet that I had locked away that I didn't want anybody to look into. And I will tell you this, that I'm not unstuck, I'm being unstuck, okay? I mean, look, you got to give people around you grace to get unstuck for a while. It took them a while to get there, right? So let us learn some new things where we become unstuck and our lives give glory and honor to Jesus Christ. We don't have to stay stuck. Where have you come from? And where are you going? What has gotten you here? The words, where have you come from, are not these harsh uh, words that Jesus, or I'm sorry, that the angel of the Lord is interrogating Hagar about. These are words that come from a loving, compassionate God that truly cares about where she came from. Tell me what's happened, Hagar. Tell me your story. Tell me what happened to you. What got you to this place? 
Remember, it was in Hosea chapter 2 that God said, there I will speak tenderly to her. There I will speak tenderly to her. Where is that? In the wilderness where she was stuck. And it's the same way for you and for me. Where we're stuck, it's there that God's going to speak to us. We don't get unstuck and then go to God. God comes to us to get us unstuck. It's there. So never underestimate the power of knowing where you are at because it's there that God wants to speak with you. It's there. In order to become unstuck, we have to go back. Uh, In order to become unstuck, we need to look into our past. Because if we're anchored or if we're tethered by something that has occurred within our past, we'll never experience the future. Because you can only go so far while you're stuck. And God wants to break that. Now, please don't mistake what I'm saying to be therapy or psychological principles because they're used like that. Oh, we got to check out your past. And I understand that. I understand what's going on. But this is not to dissect the problem. This is not about go ahead and analyzing the mistakes. This is not about increasing the grief that we have or to relive the trauma that we've gone through. This is about inviting Jesus into the darkest area of our life. Because going back in this type of a context, what God is talking about here is not therapy. Because if it was therapy, it would be all about Hagar. It would be all about you. It would be all about me. But it's not. It's all about him. Somebody say amen to that. What God wants to know what our past is all about is so that he He can rewrite our future in the hand of Jesus Christ. Where have you come from? God wants and needs our permission. We invite him in. And although we might cover up that closet, that's right where he's going for. You know, it's the closet of Divorce or the closet of bankruptcy or the closet of rape, the closet of abortion, the closet of rejection, the closet of just not knowing who you are. We've got the things that have occurred and the things that have happened and we lock them away. And that's what he wants. He wants that. I mean, if you got a problem with your toilet, you call a plumber. If you got a problem with your electricity, you call an electrician. If you got something broken in your life, you call Jesus because he's in the fixing business, right? That's what he does. What does he ask Hagar to do? Notice Genesis chapter 16. The angel of the Lord said to her, return and submit. For Hagar, it was to return to Sarah and to submit to her. She had to go back to the place that she was fleeing from. She needed faith and trust in God. She had to give him her future. And this was Hagar's point of surrender, where she said, yes, God. And for us, it requires faith as well, faith to trust God with the pain of our past and faith to trust God with the potential of our future. It's our looking to him that invites him into our lives. It's about what he can do for us, where he removes the shame, where he removes the guilt. This becomes our point of surrender. We don't like to surrender. We don't like to give things up. But it's about going into that area. It's about going back to that closet. It's about bringing God back there. 
so that his light can flood the darkness, so that his love can fill the void, so that he can get to work on fixing what was broken. That's why he wants us to invite him in. Revelation chapter three, he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in. He's knocking on your closet door. He wants to come in to remove the guilt and the stain and the pain. He wants the shame gone because there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. He wants the shame gone because all those that are in Christ are new creations. All things have become new. He wants the shame gone because he said, behold, I will make all things new in your life. But I have to know where I've come from so that I can know where I am going. The future is all ahead of me. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast all your burdens upon the Lord because he cares for you. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. The word sustain there in the Hebrew means he will feed you. He will provide for you. That's what God will do for you. Listen, I give God my burden. He provides me with whatever it is. I give him my pain. He gives me his healing. I give him my junk. He gives me my grace. I give him all the negative stuff of my past. He gives me a brand new future. I don't know about you, but my life with Jesus is way better than the life that was back there. This is what he does. I give him the burden. Going back by ourselves is scary. Going back with a therapist is okay. It's good and it's wonderful. But going back with Jesus is miraculous. It's him breathing life into that situation. It's him bringing the solution. It's him walking us through that and then walking us out of that as we head to the future with Jesus Christ. We get out of the valley of Acor and walk through the door of hope. Team, you can come up. Genesis 16, 7, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to shore. Can I say this? He found her. It says he found her. He was looking for her. He's looking for you. He's looking to you, not to chastise, but to hug. This is the God that comes to us in our loneliness, in our failure, in our wilderness. And he brings himself. Notice Hagar's response, Genesis 16. She said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well shall be called Ber Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. Uh, Bered. Ber Lahai Roy. The well of the living one who sees me. That's the Hebrew translation. The well of the living one who sees me. The living one gives life and he sees me. And it's a well. It's not my resource. It's his resource, the well. This is the first time it's ever used in all of scripture. The word well, the very first time. And that well, God said, I'll make you a door of hope. Jesus is the door. John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door for the sheep. First Timothy chapter one, Paul says, Jesus is our hope. And Jesus Jesus says that he is the door. In John chapter 4, he had to go through Samaria. Why? Because there was a woman there waiting at the well that was thirsty for something other than water. And he had to go there. And when he did get there, he said, hey, whoever drinks of this water will thirst. But whoever drinks of this water will never thirst. But that water shall come up within him and will be a bubbling spring springing up into everlasting life. 
just a few chapters later, Jesus, at the end of the great day of the feast, where the priests are pouring out their water sacrifices there for God, Jesus stood up and he said to all, if any man thirsts, come to me. For the scripture says, if you believe in me, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to take those parched, arid areas of your life and baptize them with the Holy Spirit, bring his water of life in there and give you a new life that you can look forward to. That's our God. Would you please stand? With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you're stuck and you want to get unstuck, Let me encourage you that you don't have to go to the well because the well comes to you. And he's waiting for you. He's looking. He knows your name. He knows your past. He's not ashamed of you. You can become unstuck. We just have to look to the well. If you're here today, you can say, Pastor Bob, there's a lot of things in my life or there's one thing in my life that I want to be unstuck from. I want freedom from that. I want to be able to move forward and embrace my future without having something tethering me to my past. I'd like to be able to pray for you. If you're that person here this morning, would you please raise your hand so that I can just see. I want to pray a prayer of blessing upon those people that say, I'm here and I want to be unstuck. There's, there's hands up all over the room. Thank you for your point of surrender. This is between you and Jesus. You want to be free. You want to be unstuck. And with your hands lifted high, Father, I bless your sheep in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that is going through every aisle, up and down every chair, inside every heart, all throughout this room. And we're making, Father God, you're making freedom. You're liberating people. You're getting them to become unstuck. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're making all things new. And Lord, we surrender. We surrender to you. We give you our past. Ask you to walk around in it, but face us in the right direction for the future, Heavenly Father, so that we can have the blessing that comes from you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.